Welcome to Read It Read It. We will be reading from r slash tales from tech support. Our first post is by Turbo Jelly. I'm still weak at the knees while writing this. Please forgive any spelling and grammar errors. History. 3.5 years ago I started working for company. They own multiple private schools around the world. I was given two schools to support. My first day at Site 1 was a horrifying learning experience 2003 DC and a media drive that was literally an external HD plugged into a manager's computer. Over the years I have sent emails explaining, with links, just how truly awful these two things are. Supporting the server and media have been a bane. Over the last two years, company have been running a countrywide hardware upgrade. All staff and students got upgraded computers, tablets, and laptops. Bet you can guess what didn't get upgraded? Over the weekend head office finally moved all the staff files online. Yes, our 2003 DC was also the file server. Today I had the glorious task of decommissioning the media server from the system. I went upstairs and entered the office. Caressing the drive, I methodically followed the cable back to its slot in the PC. Carefully I slowly slide the USB cable out of the computer. A shudder passed through me as I felt the HD spin themselves down under my palm. Reverently, I picked up the drive and gently wiped the dust from its cover. Then I shook the shit out of the bastard. It felt good. Our next post is by Cleesan. This story happened just this week. I received a ticket from a hair salon that reads something like the box-like device plugged into the computer doesn't work. Curious, I call them up. The following exchange ensues. Me. Hi. So tell me about that device that's not working. Can you describe what it does, what it looks like, or if there's anything written on it? Them? Yes. Sure. But keep in mind I'm not very good at computers first. Me. That's alright. I'm good enough at computers for the both of us. Them? Okay so it looks like a black box. I insert rolls of paper inside, and the paper is supposed to come out but it doesn't. Me. You mean a printer? Them? Yes. I wasn't sure what the right word that. I didn't want to say the wrong word. After that I remoted into the computer, fixed something with the printer driver configuration, and the mysterious device once again spat out the rolls of paper after adding ink on them. You gotta love the users. Our next post is by CokeCast3. I provide support for people who are supposedly trained to save our lives. User. Yep. Say I recorded a patient last week and they come in again. Like. It won't let me add their ID again. Can you make it? So I can add it in? Me. Quite incredulously why. Do you need to add their ID again? User. Well because they are coming in for. Like. A follow up. Me. Pause to try and comprehend. So you search for the patient. Sorry. Not sure I'm following. User. Yep. But. Like. What if it was. Like. Two months ago, you know, like, him mouse over a patient in the list like, she came in last month, and then yesterday I had to put her in with the wrong, like, id cause it wouldn't let me put in the right one. So can you fix it? Me. Faith in humanity levels going critical just to clarify, every time you see a patient you add in a new patient record? Even if it's a patient you've seen before. User. Well, yep, cause, like, I don't have time to be searching through all those dates, like, me, ma'am, there should only be one record in the database for any one patient, and that patient's ID, as an unique identifier, should not rather, can not be duplicated. The software won't allow it, because that would defeat the purpose of unique. 
Now if you look here opens the search options drop down you can search by patient ID or last name if you prefer. User. Yep. But. Like. I don't know. I'll figure something out. Continues on with another completely stupid issue. Update. Admittedly, the seriousness of the consequences of this story's user's actions had not fully dawned on me until you guys brought it up. Being a techie, I was thinking how much of a pain it was going to be when they realized they had a bunch of duplicate records and wanted us in support to fix it for them, not specifically what it meant for their patients. I'll be introspecting on that for a while. I did bring it up with my supervisor and she's reviewing our business associates agreement. I would like to add that the software I support is dedicated to x-ray imaging only. It doesn't track things like allergies, previous diagnosis, medications prescribed, our customers use other softwares for that, and one can only hope this user isn't so ignorant with whichever patient management software they use. But it is still a very serious violation of HIPAA concerns, as rays are integral for diagnosis. Our next post is by Captain Banjo. So I had a very interesting conversation the other day, that in the moment kinda sounded reasonable, but the more I thought about it, the less sense it made. Subject, monitoring software that a group of users decided they needed, did not include us in the acquisition of, did not provide us any information about, and periodically raise a fuss to us when it doesn't work, often leaving us to work with a vendor who periodically comes on site to configure slash update slash etc while we are remote tech support. Captain, me, the hero of our story. Manager, my boss, kinda new, still learning the ropes. Vendor rep. Tech support for the vendor of the software in question. Manager, Captain Banjo, I need you to call vendor. There's a problem with the monitoring software at one of our sites, and they are saying it's a problem with our environment, being incompatible with the software. Captain, ah, uh, sure, but isn't it working elsewhere? How can it be incompatible if it's working? Manager, well, they think it's because of group policy. Captain, that doesn't make any sense, the people it's working for are in the same policy. Manager, that's a good point to raise, with them. Captain, I got the hint, calling the vendor. Vendor rep, you have everything locked down, so I can't fix the problem with these new users. Captain, is it still working for the old users? Vendor rep, yeah, you must have them in a different, hold on. Organization unit is what I think it's called. Captain, they are all in the same OU. Vendor rep, oh, well everything is locked down, so I don't think I can make any changes so this will work. Captain, so we don't have that much locked out, and what we do is locked out for everyone, so the old users would have the same problem. Do you know what was changed when the old users were set up? Vendor rep, no, I wasn't the rep that did that. Captain, usually most vendors I work with have a knowledge base or somewhere they can go that will tell them what settings and what the application needs to work. Vendor rep, we just released this new version of the software two months ago, so we really don't know what it needs or what the requirements are. Captain, you don't have like a knowledge base for the products you support. Vendor rep, we do, but it's all for older versions and I've been unable to find anything that tells me what it needs to run. I don't know how we find that out. Captain, well we have users it works for, and users it doesn't, I guess we'll need to figure out which settings are different between the people it works for, and those it doesn't work for. Vendor rep, will I need to do that, or can you? Captain, I mean, when are you next on site? Vendor rep, tomorrow morning.
Captain, and it's end of day today, so I think it would make sense for you to do it while you're there. What do you have scheduled for your visit tomorrow? Vendor rep, fixing this issue. Captain, okay, then yeah, I think it makes sense for you to try to find out what your software's requirements are and let us know. Vendor rep, can I call you if I need help? Captain, sure, why not? Our next post is by PG478. Great supper here girls and boys, just shorted out recently and getting plenty of laughs scrolling through. Which reminded me of a frustrating situation I had some years ago with a client of ours whilst offering support on their point of sale terminal. I took a call from a client who said they were having trouble getting their computer to work. So after the standard 2-3 minutes of what she was referring to when saying the computer wasn't working I realized that it was in fact the software that wasn't responding. So I asked her to press the escape key to clear the error. Anyway she couldn't find the escape key, so I told her it's the button on the top left hand corner of the keyboard. She still couldn't find it. Me, thinking okay, pose terminal, it may be elsewhere. So I got her to read some of the button slash locations on the keyboard back to me F4 F3 F2 F1. Me, yep, yep, yep good okay. You guessed it, still no escape key, and you can't stop them talking when they're on a roll. Anyway after an awkward slash frustrating several minutes of her announcing just about every letter in the alphabet and describing nearly every other button on the keyboard, she advises me that she indeed has a button in the top left hand corner with ESC written on it could that be it? Me, OHH, I'm not too sure. I was exhausted by this time, can you try pressing that one for me instead then? Click yes, I fixed it. Me, great, thanks for your help. Bye now. Our next post is by Marine. Some details were obviously changed, names, phone system type, exact circumstances have some details omitted, etc all changed. I'm a trained firearms instructor for the Marine Corps, at least when it came to range activities. Taught the classes where Marines all sit slash prone slash stand shooting at the barrel with the targets. Basic CQB shooting pistols, and would coach on range days. Was the best 6 months of my USMC life. Took some firearm classes from a NRA slash SWAT guy 2 for personal slash civilian carry, worked nuke security 2 for a few years. Very comfortable around all firearms, to say the least. Anyway, we are troubleshooting in Ziz's PBX phone system in a property we own that was installed in the mid-90s, and have to call in a company who knows how to actually troubleshoot the parts. I can do some work on them, but it's mostly command line slash moving lines that I'm familiar with. These PBX parts generally have to be removed, sent in to be refurbished as new parts just aren't available. This company also did the original install in 199 number, and the contact I normally speak with about the system has retired to a warmer state. So, new tech Bob comes in. He also assisted in the phone system setup in 199 number, but I've never met slash spoke with him previously. So, Bob and I get to chatting, when he comes in, gets around to firearms as I see he has a sidearm, when he took off his coat. Odd he's packing open carry, but hey you do you. I never carry on the job, but do carry conceal on my off time. I mention I was a vet, and ask a few questions about the gun, and get a text from the boss asking how things are going after Bob's been there about 30 minute. Look down to answer, and when I look up from my cell, the dude had pulled out his sidearm, removes the mag, and just hands it to me muzzle first with the muzzle pointed downward. 
I in no way ask to be handed a weapon. I don't know the dude at all beyond the 10 minutes we've been chatting during the 30 or so minutes he's been around. He didn't clear the chamber or show me that it was empty, nor confirm that the magwell was empty. Muscle memory took over, and I immediately remove the weapon from his possession and check that the mag is removed, and rack the slide to lock it back. And, of course in doing so, out flies around from the chamber. Now, it was a dummy round, but he still handed me a weapon with a round in the chamber, and without him verifying with me the magwell was clear nor that there was a fucking dummy round chambered in there too. At this point I'm slightly stunned. After clearing it, examine it and quickly hand it back in a safe manner. He picks up the dummy round, puts it on top of the mag and chambers it back in the weapon, and pulls the trigger on the dummy round. I was about to leave to call my supervisor. And then he hands me his concealed carry back up the exact same way. Legit, I was to stand at the dude to speak immediately. I'm not afraid of the weapons, but Bob came into our building with loaded weapons and was just handing them to me in a potentially unsafe manner without my asking to handle them in the first place. I hand them back, having locked back the slides and showing empty chambers and clear mag well before doing so. Bob doesn't even put them back into his holsters and leaves them sitting on his coat behind him. Wait 5 minutes, say I gotta go piss, and call my supervisor 10 minutes later there's a cop escorting the dude out, with clear instructions that he's no longer welcome. Bob probably wasn't a direct threat, but his careless handling certainly was. The issue was power related on the digital card carrier, and needed sent out and refurbished. But hey, phone system was fixed. Took a few weeks longer, as we had a nice conversation with the vendor about the behavior of their tech. Of all the things I expected to be handed while working in it, this was not one of them. Our next post is by Goatwimble. This story took place about 6 years ago, and it was my second week into a new job with a web hosting company. I'd taken a call from a customer, we'll call her Karen, about some problem with the hosting service she had with us. I took a look and determined that whilst there was an issue, the fault lay with her CMS and wasn't anything we would fix. Me, I'm sorry Karen, the issue is to do with WordPress and unfortunately we can't assist with fixing this. However, I can send you some links which may help you fix it or you can ask your developer to look into it further. Karen, that's not good enough. I'm paying you $10 a month and I expect you to fix problems like this, not tell me to go away and deal with it myself. Me, I'm sorry you feel that way, however that $10 pays for the server space. We'll gladly help fix anything server side that's interfering with the proper operation of your site, but we are not responsible for the software itself. Karen, will if you're not going to fix it just delete my fucking account right now. Me, okay, I can do that, but it may be easier. Karen, stop arguing with me delete my account clearly my $10 a month means shit to you geo on hurry up and terminate my account if you don't value me as a customer. Me, I can do that for you, before I do, I need to ask if you have a backup of your data, as once I process this, it's gone for good. Karen, no just delete my account now I expect an email telling me it's done click. She'd hung up, and I sat there wondering what to do. I thought about sitting on it, but she was quite clear in her instructions, delete her account. Karen had already run through the identity verification questions and had requested, demanded, a cancellation. I took a backup of her account as insurance, and processed the termination. 
I also created a ticket with appropriate notes and emailing Karen to tell her that her termination request had been taken care of. I went home not long after that, but the next day I came into work and was immediately called in speak to manager. It turned out that Karen was notorious for this shit. She'd demand we do things beyond our scope and scream and cry and threaten until someone said okay, we'll do it. She'd gotten used to other staff members doing whatever she demanded that she expected we bend over backwards. If she ever heard the word no she'd threaten to cancel and go elsewhere. It seemed that other reps had just fixed whatever problem in order to stop her tantrums and get rid of her. I was the first in a long time to tell her no and the only one who had ever followed through on actually terminating her account. Manager, you're not in trouble, don't worry, you did everything correctly. I've had Karen on the phone all morning squawking about her website. Oh, BTW, did you happen to take a backup of her account? Me, yep, it's on my computer. Manager, delete it and pretend it never existed. And that's the story of how I destroyed Karen's business website. Our next post is by Rocky Moose. Background. I owned a small software company. The non-profit organization down the hall asked us if we would donate an hour once a week to help with it. Active directory and exchange stuff. The manager there was a friend of mine from outside work. I agreed since it felt like a nice pro bono thing to do for a cause I supported and she promised to be a gatekeeper. And for a long while it worked out quite well. Once a week one of us would walk down the hall to their suite. She'd give us a small list of it honey dos. We'd even get cookies. She did a great job of keeping users under control and appreciated our donation of time and expertise. It was good karma. Then she left the organization. Stupidly, I thought nothing would change. So I go down there a couple weeks later for the usual and cookies. Karen is moving offices and needs help moving her computer. Damn it, Jim. I'm a software developer, not a moving company. Goes through my head. Nevertheless, I help unplug everything from her standard desktop-sized workstation. I'm going to need your help carrying everything to your new office. I explain that I'm recovering from surgery and simply cannot carry heavy objects. She's miffed, but helps me get a cart and we move the computer. This is back in the days of heavy, large CRT 19-inch monitors, the ones that weigh close to 50 lbs. There's already an identical monitor, same brand, same size, in the new location. What about the monitor? She says. I've plugged the computer into the monitor that's already in your new office. It's identical. But I want my monitor. She points at the old one. Like I said, I can't carry heavy items. It's easier if you just move all your post-it notes from your old monitor to your new one. That's not my job, she says. That's your job. Move the monitor. And that was the fuck it, I quit moment. I just lost it. Karen, this is very decidedly not my job. I volunteer my time here. I already told you I'm recovering from surgery, and I'm not moving a 50 pound monitor for the same reason you won't. It's too heavy. You're on your own. I walk out, super pissed. The following morning, I go in again, to talk to the executive director. I explain that we can't help with it anymore, we have to focus on our own business and would not be donating any more time. I offer to send one of my colleagues down just to finish hooking up Karen's computer but he would not be moving any heavy objects and I'd be happy to recommend an it consulting company for ongoing support. Of course, they have no choice, so that's what happens. 
Best part, when my co-worker comes back from that last task, he tells me, guess what? I oblige. What? She moved the monitor. I can't believe it. Apparently she figured out a way to haul that 50 pound monstrosity of a monitor to her new desk. What happened to the monitor that was already there? I ask. It's still there. She asked me to move it to the old office. Now, these old court monitors are huge. There's barely enough room on a standard office, cube desk for one of them, let alone two. Tell me you didn't move it. I plead. No fucking way, he says. She barely has enough room now on that tiny desk for her beanie babies and telephone. I still get goosebumps at the thought of Karen sitting there with two ginormous monitors on her desk surrounded by her post-it notes and stuffed animals. So, yeah, I have a good appreciation for the folks who have to deal with this stuff on a regular basis. Our last post is by Codemize. So I'm a software developer and this story is from a long time ago. Background. I used to be the primary developer for software that would carry a package through an approval process before it could be stored in our big software database. There are multiple approval steps the package moves through before it can be finished up, and there are multiple people who perform these approvals. The development team would take turns on call each week, but we each were primary for a different system. So I would get all of the calls, typically, for my primary software assignment. No one really had any problems with the software except for Bob. Bob would call with the most obscure errors. I would walk over to his desk to visually see what he would see, and the errors would magically disappear. This happened many times. Story, one day Bob calls in, and he is forwarded to me. Me, what's up Bob? Bob, it's gone. Me, what's gone? Bob, Bob, the package has disappeared. Me, did you click the delete button? Bob, Bob, no I didn't. In the time it took me to get to his desk, Bob had a mild leadership about this mysterious behavior, and it went big. My phone started blowing up with text message and emails about software not working, production crashed, bad developers. I'm irked, but of course I take it seriously. Sure enough, his package is gone. Not even a hint of something being deleted. So cleanly is it gone, it appears it was never even been created. This happens two more times in the coming weeks and the logs tell me nothing. Leadership is angry and I'm exasperated. I'm also a little suspicious. My application had over 300 users and only Bob ran into this issue. After digging through logs for hours, I took a break and checked her apps tracker to see where my eagerly awaited graphics card was. Then I had a light bulb moment. As a developer, I had a lot of power to do almost anything I wanted. I created a package tracker. Not just any package tracker. This tracker would track every click, every button press, every approval, everything you do in the application. Most of all, it would track deletes. Think you deleted a package? Oh no. This thing keeps that history, and it isn't tied to the interface in any manner whatsoever. A little sugar on top, it displayed all historical steps taken real pretty on a website that you could print a PDF or ML right from the page. This thing goes live and I wait. Another week goes by and it finally happens. This time I got an email from Bob Xingod and everyone. It seems another package has mysteriously gone missing. I load up my awesome tracker and I see what he did. He did indeed create a package, performed an approval on it, waited for someone else to do an approval down the line, and then immediately deleted it. He did this three times in total on this package. He only ever deleted it when someone else down the chain disapproved of the package. 
Bob has been approving packages without inspecting them, and when someone else down the line found fault with it, he would delete it and start over. He was falsifying his work and covering it up. I respond to the ML with my tracker evidence, and I rather quickly get pulled into an all-managers meeting. A lot of things happened after this, but I was not privy to most of them. Turns out Bob was already on corrective action plans and this was the final nail in the coffin for him. I stopped getting Bob calls after he was walked out. That's it for Edit Reddit. I hope you enjoyed. Please leave a good rating, as that really helps me out.